Another consideration, what is their affiliation with hospital or healthcare networks, okay? Sometimes pediatric offices or family practices are located within a medical park or they're a part of like a larger healthcare network. And this is a really nice perk because everything is under the same system, you know, an online portal. And this makes it really easy for different offices within the network and even the hospital, if you were to have to go to the hospital, to pull paperwork and medical files with your permission. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, I am going to be sharing tips for choosing a pediatrician. Because as you're working your way through your seemingly endless to-do list before you give birth, one important task is choosing a doctor or NP for your newborn, okay? Maybe there are a few different practices close to your home, or maybe you're just trying to choose a primary provider within a certain practice. And I know that this can feel overwhelming because what should you even be looking for in choosing a pediatrician? I'm just, you know, taking care of myself now, but oh my gosh, I have to think about taking care of another human being. Blah! That's why I thought an episode about this would really help. So today I'm going to share a list of considerations for choosing a pediatrician, questions to ask a pediatrician before deciding, and even a little bit about what to expect from your newborn pediatric visits. Let's tackle this item that's been sitting on your to-do list, mama. Even if you are like 30 some nine weeks or 40 weeks and you're about to go into labor, maybe we're in labor right now. (laughs) Let's just do it. Okay. It's not too late. Let's just take it on with confidence. If you've made it to the third trimester, then I'm willing to bet this whole birth thing is starting to feel, well, real, right? (laughs) Be sure to grab your totally free third trimester prep pack to keep you on track. Inside, you'll find our super popular hospital bag checklist so that you know your hospital bag is stocked with everything you need for the big day, traditional and visual birth plan templates to help you think through all the questions related to your birth and gain the sense of control you deserve, and a third trimester to-do list so that you can feel completely at ease heading into your labor knowing you've checked every box. To grab all of this for free, simply head over to mommylabornurse.com slash third trimester. That's mommylabornurse.com slash T-H-I-R-D trimester for your free third trimester prep pack. Choosing a pediatrician for your baby is a must-do for that third trimester I mean, some people, I guess, don't do it until like the day after the birth, but most experts recommend that you start your search at the beginning of your third trimester. And if you are late in your third trimester, it's okay. That's why I did this episode. This episode is also for you because I'm also one of those kind of people that I just leave everything to the last minute. (laughs) 
<laughs> but if you are in your second trimester, your first trimester, maybe you're not even pregnant, this is still a really good episode to tune into. What a lot of moms don't realize is that your newborn's pediatrician info is usually required for your hospital pre-registration packet. Often you can opt to leave it blank, but why not tackle this before the craziness of birth sets in, before you're you know, in labor (laughs) or getting set up for your C-section or whatever. One thing that's for sure, you won't be allowed to leave the hospital though until you've indicated what pediatrician you'll be using. It's important so that the hospital can send over all of your birth info, you know, all of baby's assessments and everything, any health concerns from birth and your hospital stay. All right, so let's go over some things to consider before choosing a pediatrician for your newborn. I do recommend first just going through these yourself in your own brain and then setting aside some time to talk about it with your partner if you have a partner before making a decision. Okay, so this is kind of stepping stone. (laughs) Or maybe, you know, send this podcast episode to, to your partner. He or she can listen to it and then you guys can talk together. So first consideration is obviously proximity to your home, okay? We don't want to be picking a pediatrician if we can avoid it. That's a really, really like far away distance because you might be having to go there a few times a week sometimes when you first bring your newborn home or, you know, it's just a pain in the butt if you have a sick kid, if, you know, you have to drive 30 miles down the road to get to your pediatrician, So I would first make a list of options within a 20 to 30 minute radius of your home as kind of a starting point, okay? Having a pediatrician that's right around the corner really is a huge benefit because like I said, if baby isn't feeling well, proximity is key. Being just five minutes away from the doctor when I live downtown, now I live a little bit further, but my kids are older, but like Right after I had Rylan, my doctor was literally five minutes away, and it was just so easy to get an appointment, you know, during last minute cancellations because I can just get there really, really fast. It's also less time in a car for a sick baby, and you won't have to wake them from naps, you know, hopefully, if you're just five minutes away or a few minutes away just to make it, you know, to your appointment in time. In the first year of your baby's life, you are going to have to be there a lot. So shorter drives make for shorter outings, which is just always easier with a newborn, in my opinion. Now, with all this said, I don't want you to think distance is the end-all be-all, okay? I'm really lucky that my provider, you know, when Rylan was little, when we lived downtown, happened to be so close to my home. But I know plenty of families that opted for a practice that was a little bit further away to get the care and feel, you know, that they wanted from their pediatricians. Proximity is just one piece of the puzzle. Next thing to consider, family practice versus pediatrician. I want you to think about what type of practice will be a best fit for your family. I think a lot of people automatically assume baby equals pediatrician, right? And I've been using that word quite a lot, but actually family practices can care for newborns as well. And this can be a wonderful fit for a lot of families. In fact, I actually do use a family doctor. I see him and both of my kiddos see him. Brian would see him, but he's actually been with his family doctor since he was like little. So he's not ready to to go to ours quite yet. But our, you know, basically almost our whole family goes to this family doctor who I just adore. 
All right. So let's talk about kind of the difference. In short, pediatricians are medical doctors that specialize in children's health up to 21 years old. They are certified through the American Board of Pediatrics and do their residencies in pediatric care. On the flip side, Family doctors are medical doctors that complete their residency in a variety of medical niches, including pediatrics, internal medicine, and gynecology, among others. So benefits of using a pediatrician include, obviously, they specialize 100% in pediatric medicine and care. They might be more in tune with current research and recommendations for pediatric care. They only work with children, and they might be better at just in general, interacting with your kiddos. They're usually very, very child-friendly and they have fun waiting rooms. There's a lot to do, stickers, decorations, other details that make kids nice and comfortable. Some of the stuff is kind of germy. <laughs> like I never let my kids, we did go to a pediatrician way back when, when Walter was really little and I never, I was always like, stay away from the beaded thing. Like there's probably a billion germs on that thing. But in general, usually the waiting rooms like are just cuter, I guess. (laughs) And also pediatricians might be a better choice for children with high anxiety about going to the doctor because they often don't feel as clinical, right? There's like these pictures of fish and characters and just everything just feels a little bit less like sterile, I guess. Pediatricians also are preferred for babies that are born premature or have special needs or have a birth defect. So just keep that in mind as well. All right, so benefits of using a family practitioner is you can build a strong relationship with the provider because a lot of times the whole family can see the same doctor. Like I said, that's what we do. Family doctors are more aware of your family's complete medical history, which can help them in providing care. I do see that benefit, and it's almost like an invisible benefit that a lot of people don't realize is such a benefit. Like my doctor knows me and my medical history when he's taking into account my kiddo, it's hard to explain, (laughs) but it's a huge, huge benefit when they're taking care of like your whole, whole family. Family practices may also have a bigger support staff or other providers with different specialties that may be necessary, you know, as the years pass, as your kids get bigger. And a family doctor will likely check in with you as much as your baby during their appointments, especially during the first year as you adjust to motherhood. This, you know, sometimes I think there's a myth going around that if you use a family practice, they're just like not going to see you as much, but that's not true. They'll see you, still see you for like all your well visits and happy to see you for six visits as well. And as your child grows, and they may like seeing a family practitioner rather than like a quote unquote little kid doctor, right? And then finally, family doctors can offer gynecological care for girls once they are the age that they require gynecological care. Okay, moving on with considerations. Another thing to consider is the size of the practice. So as you narrow down your choices, definitely pay attention to the size of the practice. And again, I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all answer here, but there are pros and cons of large versus small practices, okay? Large practices with lots and lots of doctors and peas mean that there are many experienced and knowledgeable people, right, that can weigh in on your baby's care. Providers can lean on each other and easily get second opinions and input like kind of right there. But on the flip side, at a larger practice, you're 
provider may not get to know you and your family as, you know, personally as they would if it was just one person. It may also be difficult to regularly get in with your chosen pediatrician if there's like one person within the practice that you prefer. In a smaller practice, your provider may know you and your family better, like I was talking about before, and you'll always get to see them for well visits and sick visits. But obviously, the downside is that smaller practices may not have extensive support staffs. And if you need a second opinion or more input, you'll have to kind of just seek out medical advice somewhere else. You could still do that within, you know, seeing a pediatrician, obviously, but there's typically just, it's easier to get a second opinion within the whole practice. Another consideration is the support staff in the practice. So as you look at practices, find out what kind of support staff they have right in office. While support staff definitely shouldn't make or break your decision, it's definitely a nice perk, okay? Keep in mind that support staff will vary, especially between family practices and pediatric groups. A few things to look for are if they have lactation consultants, if they have mental health therapists or specialists, particularly pediatric mental health specialists and family counselors, behavioral specialists, nutritionists, early interventionalists, developmental therapists, phlebotomists, in-office blood work, these sorts of things, okay? Lactation consultant is definitely a big one. I would say that's a huge perk if your pediatric office or whoever, your family practice has a lactation consultant on staff. Another consideration, what is their affiliation with hospital or healthcare networks, okay? Sometimes pediatric offices or family practices are located within a medical park or they're a part of like a larger healthcare network. And this is a really nice perk because everything is under the same system, you know, an online portal. And this makes it really easy for different offices within the network and even the hospital, if you were to have to go to the hospital, to pull paperwork and medical files with your permission. Again, this is not an end all be all, but just another consideration to think about. And then who do your family and friends use, okay? Another thing to consider as you start researching your options is where are your friends who you trust or your family that you trust are going for their pediatric care? There's often really no better recommendation than word of mouth from people that you know and trust. And this can be especially helpful when it comes down to choosing a provider within a practice. Personal anecdotes and recommendations, in my opinion, really are the best. And then finally, I figured I'd throw this last consideration in there, other amenities, okay? Sometimes doctors' offices have other little perks that just make it a nicer experience for everyone, okay? My friend's pediatrician's office has a playground out front. Like, how cool, right? It's not essential, but it's pretty cool. (laughs) So here are some of the things that I'm kind of talking about. Playground, obviously, like that would be really, really cool. If they have walk-in or urgent care hours on weekends or on evenings, if they have a 24-hour nurse support line, parking spaces reserved for caregivers of newborns or sick children. A lot of times I've seen that a lot recently. Maybe they have a separate entrance instead of going into like the large complex. If it's just like a big, large, you know, kind of office complex, they might have a separate entrance or waiting room for sick versus well patients. They might do house calls. Yeah, some practices even still do house calls. 
a lot of times for those first few newborn visits, my family practitioner also, you know, I can call him to come to my house if I really need him. I have not done that, but it is a perk that I could, you know, possibly use. And then some of them also have new parent support groups or nursing mother support groups. So again, not an end-all be-all to any of these. I'm not saying definitely go with the one that has the separate entrance instead of the one that doesn't have the separate entrance. But these are just some other things to be thinking about. All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up babies. This one says, I wanted to say thank you so much for your series. My husband and I started the Birth It Up epidural series, but the day before we found out I might have to have a C-section, your team graciously switched my class over and it helped ease my mind on what to expect. Oh, I love that. Yes, that is definitely something that we will always, always do. Okay. For some reason, if you find out that you need a C-section or for some reason, you know, maybe you were taking the natural series and you're like, actually, that doesn't sound so great. Can I get that epidural series? It's fine. Just email us. We will switch you over. We want you to be happy and learn about the things that are actually applicable to you. So she says, I didn't get to watch it all as my water broke at 1 a.m. Complete gush and would not stop. But thanks to your hospital bag printable and everything, we were prepared to just get in the car and go. Thank you so much for teaching us first-time moms and for easing our anxiety. I did end up getting a C-section because my pelvis was way too narrow for a vaginal delivery. My sweet baby was born eight pounds, six ounces. I've seen it in the delivery room time and time again. Mamas that complete some kind of childbirth education before they're due have a more positive birth. So then why do less than one third of all moms take a birth class? Probably because so many of the options out there are either way too expensive, super inconvenient, or just don't offer mamas really what they need. That's why I created the Birth It Up online birthing classes. With Birth It Up, you'll gain the in-depth knowledge and confidence you need to have a better birth from the comfort of your own home at a price point that can't be beat. Head on over to mommylabornurse.com backslash courses to find the birth class that's right for you. All right, so let's get into some questions to ask your pediatrician when you are considering which one to pick. So once you narrow down the practice that you're interested in, you do still have to pick a primary provider if the practice has more than one option, okay? If it's the kind of practice that it's just one person, it's still a good idea, though, to set up a time to do kind of a meet and greet before baby arrives while you're still pregnant. Most practices are totally comfortable, and they're really used to this kind of thing. It's not weird to call up and be like, hey, can I just, like, schedule a call to just, like, interview, you know, the pediatrician? So don't don't be shy, you know, about calling to set up a little meet and greet. It's totally fine. When you go in to meet your potential pediatrician, it is a good idea to have some questions in mind to get the conversation going. Okay. You don't want to just be like blank staring at each other. Sometimes the most important part of the meet and greet also is just your overall impression. Okay. It's so important that your newborn's pediatrician is someone that you can easily talk to and connect with, okay? So you can show up with this list of questions, but if you just don't get a good vibe from them, like it's probably not a good fit for you. So here are some questions to possibly put on your list. How long have you been in practice? Why did you choose pediatrics or family medicine? Do you specialize in anything? 
What are your thoughts and opinions on topics like breastfeeding, sleep training, vaccination, circumcision, discipline, developmental delays, introducing solids, growth curves, and nutrition, antibiotics, and any other parenting newborn care topics that feel important to you. This is really a great chance to get some input as well and to really get to know your potential provider. What is your schedule and when are you generally in office? How far out do I need to schedule well visits to get in with you? What is your general healthcare philosophy? For example, like some providers take more of a watch and see approach and others offer a more aggressive preventative care approach, which that's a whole separate podcast episode, but there are totally benefits and, you know, pros and cons to both. Is vaccination required to be a patient of this practice? This is a hot button issue, I understand, and can be perceived as a pro or con, obviously, depending on your personal stance on vaccines. If you're, you know, the kind of person that's super pro vaccine, it might be an issue for you if you're interviewing your pediatrician and they're saying, yeah, we accept all patients regardless of their vaccination status. On the contrary, if you don't vaccinate your kiddos, you know, obviously you are going to want to find somebody who will support you in not vaccinating your kiddos. Again, hot button issue, vaccination and kids and just everything, especially with COVID going around now, people are very, very opinionated on all vaccines. So we're not going to be talking about vaccines in this episode, but just something to think about. All right, I've got a few more questions. Can you recommend any parenting books or resources? Sometimes this question, when you ask them this, it gives a clue into their philosophy or their approach, okay? How digital is the office? Can I contact you about non-urgent matters, you know, via a healthcare portal? Can I text you? You know, do you offer telehealth visits? Are well visits and sick visits separated in any way? How are rooms sanitized between patients? Is lab work available in the office or do I have to go to a lab core? And then finally, you know, what hospital are you affiliated with? All right. So while we're on the topic of choosing a pediatrician, I thought it would make sense to talk about pediatric care just a little bit. And this is just kind of a quick overview of what you can expect at each appointment, each well visit, okay, especially in the first six months. Obviously, some stuff is going to, you know, vary based on location, but this is just general kind of to-dos. So number one, your baby's height and head circumference will be measured. They will be weighed. They will look at babies, you know, then look at the growth curve, okay? Check baby's oxygen levels, do a physical exam of baby's eyes, ears, mouth, skin, hips, legs, abdomen, heart, lungs, and genitalia. Physical exam of baby soft spots, okay, on their skull and general skull development. They'll discuss eating and sleeping patterns and just ask you general questions about that. Discuss baby's diaper output and what everything looks like. And then, you know, give any vaccinations according to the AAP vaccination schedule. All right, so here are some tips for that first newborn pediatrician visit because once you give birth, it comes real, real quick. Okay. So number one, make sure you bring your discharge paperwork from wherever you gave birth. Okay. Your pediatrician may ask you some questions about your birth and some specifics about baby that is on that paperwork. Okay. They also might just want to make a copy to put in baby's record. So make sure you bring it with you. 
Start keeping track also of baby's feedings, pees, and poops right after birth, okay? And the easiest way I found to do this is with an app. I like the app Baby Tracker, but there's a ton of them on the App Store. I've also heard great things about an app called Huckleberry. It's just super easy on your phone. You can input pee, poop, you know, how long you fed, this, that, and the other. Another tip, don't worry too much if your baby on that first visit has lost some weight from birth, okay? This is totally normal as long as baby is having an appropriate amount of wet and dirty diapers, okay, based on their day of age, weight loss is generally fine and your pediatrician will let you know if baby has lost too much weight and what to do if that happens, okay? Sometimes they will recommend that you supplement with donor milk, formula, pump milk for 24, 48 hours, and then come back for a weigh-in. That's very, very common. Another tip, start keeping track of questions that you have for your first appointment, okay? Either it's, you know, you use the notes app in your phone or you say, hey, Siri, rem-. see, Siri's gonna turn on now. Oh no, she didn't turn on. (laughs) You say, hey Siri, remind me of this, that, and the other to ask my pediatrician. Your memory is not going to be great in those first few days postpartum, so just write everything down. Okay, so what is the timeline of newborn pediatrician visits? According to the AAP, this is the recommended schedule. Three to five days, two weeks, one month, two months, four months, six months, nine months, 12 months. And there's more after 12 months, but those are the first, you know, in the first year. All right. So that is it for this episode. I know this might feel a little overwhelming, but now you are ready to tackle it. Okay. Do yourself a favor and get this taken care of now before birth. Just do it and start doing your research and just pick somebody and also know that, hey, I can always change pediatricians just like I can always change OB providers. It's totally fine. Speaking from personal experience, I changed pediatricians when Walter was, how old was he? Like 15 months, I think. And I've been with that family practice ever since, you know, and now I have two kids, but it's totally fine. It's something to do before you give birth and have your baby, but just know that you can always change practices if for some reason down the line you feel like it's not a good fit. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.